Charlie got, and okay. uh, he he got there a couple years ago, um, but he was pulling a triple that day, and I, I caught him at Luke Bryan's on the third floor, and I asked him, I was like, dude, what is it like endurance-wise? Like, building up that kind of endurance with the with your hands has to be, it has to take a while, right? If you're playing a triple, if you're just starting out, you're trying to take as many gigs as possible. Like, it, I mean, it probably takes a while, right? I've only done a triple one time. Oh, okay, I'm like, it was nonstop from two to two thirty in the morning, and I wasn't even supposed to do the second gig. I was supposed to have a break, and this one guy's like, "Hey, can you play?" I did Tootsie's back room, and I was supposed I was doing Rippy's rooftop later that night. And this guy was like, hey, can you do Tootsie's main floor right now? Like, they need someone. I'm like, I'm here. I guess so. So um, it wasn't – I don't know. It wasn't that bad. It's just – I think when you play downtown, too, because obviously, you know, if you don't know how to play to a room, that's a big thing. But with these rooms, they're smaller. So you have no reason to be playing like you're in a stadium or an arena. Right. So for me, it's like I honestly do a lot of just wrist, and you get through yeah. the day. Like I did, I did that double TAs ago. It was just like, you know, one of the rooms was pretty small and the stage was tiny. So you're not going to be bashing away. Right. And you don't like to hit a solid rim shot. You need to beat the living daylight out of the drum. You'd have one solid, you know, one wrist rim shot and you're going to, it's going to sound like a, a, a firecracker, you know? <laughs> so, I noticed that at Johnny Cash's, uh, watching another buddy who plays bass who actually uh he played with you on a gig once um his who? name is ty swallow long hair beard i feel like if i maybe saw his face yeah i'll, I'll send you a picture later he's you know, i met him in louisiana when i lived there um he uh it was an accident i think you were the fill-in and he didn't know who you were at first and it was like oh okay um uh but the if you know these songs uh yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i would say i do yeah um but i noticed that at, at johnny cash's um and in fact charlie when he was playing at luke bryan's um they had those rolling td 80 whatever the really expensive yeah they still have kits. i played on one of those for the first time three saturdays ago yeah how was it how does it feel <laughs> you know i have an electronic kit at home yeah i have the td12 and uh you know the, this was kind of nice because it was like so there's pros and cons to it the the pros are you don't have to bring you used to bring a pair of headphones and a pair of sticks so you're kind of like this is great i can go to this gig and not have to like lug all this gear around the cons obviously you're not playing a real drum set and all that stuff but it's just like i don't know i think if you just love to play i mean it didn't sound bad right but it differently yeah but it was fun you know the it also depends on the people you play with the two guys i played with were a lot of fun it was a very high energy gig and you know i had a good time so yeah. i mean did you just get off the road like was it a pretty extensive leg of touring or was it just a few shows uh well this year we only had we have a slimmer schedule so the last three shows we just did in a row was canada last okay. weekend and we haven't done a three weekend run since last year hmm. 
So it was a lot of fun. It was like, okay, we're all like, you know, first show is like, okay, let's get back in the saddle. Then after that first show, because we hadn't played a show um, since that show, the first show in Canada, our, our last full show was Seattle at um, Lumen Field June 4th. Nice. So other than that, it was CMA Fest, which was June 11th. And that was like a 40-minute set. Yeah, that that's around the time I I went to go visit. Um, okay. The uh, man, what a town! What a great town, dude! <laughs> like I had never been there awesome. before. And it so was, you you came kind of during CMA Fest. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I think it was right before it. Um, you or, missed it, and it's good because you missed what I like to call Hell Week. <laughs> oh, I imagine there's a actually. You know what? Yeah. Somebody mentioned that to me. They're like, "There's it's just if you think there's a lot of people here now, just wait until." A couple of days. From like, I mean, everybody comes from all over the country. I'm sure there's people who come from around the world. And I'm from New York originally. So it's like, picture oh. like Times Square, but smaller and just on that one strip filled with people on bars and all that stuff. And it's fun, but like, thankfully, we don't have to be doing three shows in one day type of thing anymore. Oh, yeah. We, we, there were times where we did like one, like one or like sometimes two. It's like, okay, like I'm going to go here, then here. And it's like, okay. But now it's just, hey, you know, you guys are doing the stadium this day. And okay, sweet. <laughs> so, yeah. like avoiding downtown as much as possible, unless you have friends there. Yeah. I, I noticed that. And my, the paying for parking in the rental car was not fun either. But, and the um, Lyft or Ubers are a nightmare. Oh, yeah. It, well, it's the same in Vegas. I went to grad school in Vegas. So, it, it, Where'd you go? UNLV. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I studied percussion there. Nice. And yeah, yeah. It was it was fun. The uh, it, it's the weirdest city on earth. Which it's um, been there a few times for work. I haven't yeah, really got yeah. play, which is fine. I mean, I guess I was there for a bachelor party earlier this year, and oh, by the time survived. we got there, I was just kind of like, oh no, I survived. I was just like, by the time we got there, it was like we went from a Monday through like a Thursday, and I was like, I don't even want to drink when we get there. I was just mm. exhausted. Yeah. So, uh, and if you go during this time of year, the heat will exhaust you even more. But oh yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> yeah, and the heat here in Houston is just about just as bad. But oh, so you're in Houston? Yeah, we did a the Toyota Center last year. Did you really? Yeah, we did one one night or two night. I think it was one night or two nights. I can't remember. Did you do the rodeo? No, we did our own show there. Oh, okay, okay. On our tour last year, yeah. Yeah, dude. That's great. I, I love the Toyota Center. I, it was fun. Many Rockets games I've gone there. But, um, man, I mean, the fact that you get to say that, though, is like, <laughs> you know, you get to play all these <laughs> arenas and stadiums. It's so cool, dude. Like, hmm. you're literally living the dream. We have done the Houston Rodeo, though. At, yeah. Uh, was it NRG? Yes, correct. We did that uh, 2019, I think. Yep. So it was a lot of fun before the world got set on fire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, great city. Houston is it's huge, but, and it's hot during this time of year, but I grew up here and I've kind of been all over the place. So, um, wound up back here during the pandemic, but you know, whenever I, I kind of going out to like places like Nashville or Vegas or, uh, you know, places like that, LA meeting people there. Um, I, I would say Nashville 
is probably been my favorite place to go. It's just, I think the vibe there is a little bit better than LA or, or Vegas. It's just something about it. I don't know what it is. Um, how, how did you wind up out there? I mean, you say you're from New York, which part of New York, by the way? So I was born in the city and okay. then my parents moved up to Long Island when I was a kid. So I grew up there. Um, and I went to college in Philly for music at university of the arts. Okay. Study with a lot of amazing teachers. Um, I mean, I studied with incredible teachers in New York too. One being Dom Famulero since I was Oh my 15. gosh. Yes. Um, obviously, you know, I hope he's, hope he's recovering from what he's going through. And then another amazing teacher named, um, John Pavicchia, who was like his protege. Yeah. So I studied with him, uh, whenever Dom was around the world. And then at university of the arts, I studied with, uh, incredible teacher by the name of Mark DiGiani, who I'm still very, I'm still close to all three of them, very close to them. And uh, then I studied with, um, have you ever heard of Jerry Brown? I have not. So he was CV Wonder's longtime drummer. And then he's oh. been with Diana Ross for like 20 years. Um, I'm very, I'm very close with him. I just spoke with him like catching up last week. Um, and then, uh, do you know who Jimmy Paxson is? I do. So his dad taught at, my school i never taught i never got to study with his dad but i got to study with jimmy jr uh when he came and did some stuff at the school so wow. i mean is how lucky because uh, i'm i'm the same with my teachers i'm very close with them still uh how lucky of a situation is that to have you know that close a relationship with them because it, it could very easily go the other way you know you could get to the school and oh it could, totally yeah you know um i mean i think you know, I think it's just really like the relationship you build with them throughout it. Like I know for me, my, like for me, Mark doesn't usually teach um, freshmen and sophomores. He, he does junior seniors, but because of who I studied with, he took me on the first two years as well. And I just kind of continued with him whenever I wanted a lesson junior and senior year, even though I had another teacher. Right like another private main teacher, but, um, yeah. but no, I mean, it's cool. It's like, uh, you know, a, a cool, amazing thing that he told my parents when we were doing senior recitals, unfortunately he didn't get to go to mine, but when we do the senior recitals, you have to write out everyone's part in Sibelius aside from your own schedule rehearsals. And, you know, aside from my own, I was in five or six other people's stuff, learning all their material, so that's a great way of time management, practice, efficiency. Oh, yeah. I remember the day he met my parents, he was like, out of all the kids in this school, your son's going to be the one to make it. And it's been awesome because we had a full circle moment. Um, in 2018, we were direct support with Jason Aldean. And um, I got him and his daughter and his family um, tickets to the show, but they came early and I got them passes and, we all hung out and stuff like that. And it was just cool. Cause like, it was like, I graduated in 2013 fast forward five years later, who's seen me play, you know, this massive amphitheater yeah, uh, with this guy who's blowing up. And then uh, for one of my other teachers, John, who I mentioned uh, when we, same year, we did our first time in Madison square garden opening for Aldine and he got to come to that. So that was really neat too. Yeah. Just kind of like showing them that the impact they made, on you oh, was... totally and you know and and for them and too it's like you know they could be, you know i speak to mark 
at least once a month. At least I try to. And whenever we talk, he's like, yeah, I just talked about you in class and stuff like that. And it's like, for them, it's like, it's cool because they're like, you know, like, hey, like, you know, each of them be like, oh, you know, I have a student, you know, he's worked hard, put in the time, done all this stuff. And now he's playing for the biggest country artist in the world. And anyone can do it. It's just, if everybody, so when people are like, oh, what do you got to do to make it, right? You got to be in Nashville. I, I could have moved to LA. I could have stayed in New York, but I'm from New York. I didn't want to stay there. And it's more of like a Broadway show scene, which is cool. Jazz. LA. Yeah, jazz, which I love. I studied jazz in college and everything else. But in LA to me is a more um, movie town, I guess. You know, yeah. Hollywood. You think of movies and stuff. And I just think they're both still more expensive than Nashville. And Nashville is called Music City. Why not live where it's happening? I agree. You know, Austin's cool too. I've been there a few times. I thought about moving there, but I chose Nashville. That'd be interesting, Austin. I wonder what what could have happened with that route because you know I'm I'm only three hours away from there. Actually, I was there two weekends ago. My brother lives there, uh, but that that it'd be interesting. I think you. This is just, and I don't know you <laughs> well at all, but it seems like at this rate, you probably would have wound up in Nashville anyway, just because of how Austin's changing so much. It's becoming a tech kind of corporate uh capital really yeah um it's completely different from what it from what it was uh nashville reminds me of what it was like like 10 years ago and um i think with just the overall kind of success that you've had in nashville and and the success that i see people getting that i know that are well deserving of it um the it's called music city. And I, I know, I think on, I was like, I was doing some touristy stuff and somebody was like, well, actually, um, you know, the biggest industry here is like medical care. And I was like, That's true. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's still music city to me. So. Yes. Sorry. I'm trying to like mess with my computer. So this lighting is not on my face. No, it's all good. <laughs> looks like you got a pretty sweet setup in there though. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Is that auto mute stuff? Yeah. Uh, Mitch is a good buddy of mine. He always stays at my place when he comes to town. So nice. Uh, he helped me um, where I live. I'm in a tall and skinny, like um, New Orleans type houses. And I had to really, you know, go all out. So my neighbor wasn't able to hear it anymore. And um, we did a few different iterations till I came up with something I really like and love. And uh, it's amazing. I love it. You know, I close the door's not closed now, but if I do close it, it's like the cleanest room. Ever. Oh yeah. So you do a lot of remote sessions. Um, you know, it's funny. I did a lot during COVID and then since no, <laughs> and I had this whole Fair brand enough. new studio built and I'm like, come on, man. I want to so, use it so bad. <laughs> um, but I want to, you know, I'm hoping to, you know, I, I'm putting, I put feelers out there and, but, um, you know, that stuff comes and goes and waves, but, uh, I did it. I'm doing more, uh, clinics on the road so i did one we were in denver and then our bass player wants to do them with me he's never done one before and we both love educating so we've been like i've been cold calling and kind of we have a setup where i'll call usually and he'll do the spreadsheet <laughs> so like we already have i think like five booked for our tour and we're trying to do one in every city we're in so like we're doing one in, we're doing two in canada 
alone. We're doing one in Connecticut. We're doing one in Albany, New York. Um, one in South Lake Tahoe and then Omaha. There you go. On a book, you know, wherever the other places are, just like follow up and stuff like that. So trying to go to universities or drum shops or yeah, drum shops, universities, you know, like mo- even mom and pop stores, like the one in Omaha is a conservatory. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, all, wherever we can do it. So, yeah. Y'all gonna make your way down here. Try to get something happening here for y'all. Um, That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's definitely a, a hunger for that kind of stuff here. Um, we have, we'll be in, we'll, you know, we'll be in Vegas in September for like, Oh really? I think we're there for. Let me see. I don't think it's announced yet, so I'm probably not supposed to say anything. But <laughs> we can cut actually, it off. You know, what? I don't know. Maybe we'll. It's it's an award show. They probably announced it. We're gonna be there. The 24th of September. Okay. I don't know what our schedule is yet, but like, it may be cool if we could set one up in the morning. Yeah. I don't. I, like I can. You know, after this. I'll, uh, you know, we'll exchange info and we can, you know, just keep in touch and all that stuff. So sure. absolutely. The, uh, uh, I still got a lot of connections out there. Um, there's, uh, quite a bit happening at UNLV and the surrounding areas. There's also a really great drum shop there, um, that just opened, um, Las Vegas drum room. I think it's called. Ooh. Um, it's killer. Uh, but uh, you know, on top of, like, you know, you said you had a pretty light schedule this year. Um, I mean, the end of this month kind of hectic, but. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I feel like for somebody, for somebody like Luke Combs or a big country artist like that, um, getting the opportunity to, do you get, do you get to play the Opry with him, by the way, or is it the house band? So it depends on the situation. So I've done the opera with him. I've done it three times. So we did, we did his, um, the day they asked him to, I guess to say the night they asked him to become a member, we played that. And then we also got to play his actual induction ceremony, which was really nice. Neat. You know, it was a special thing. Um, and I played it like one other time before, and then they do operate the Ryman. So the way, the Opry does is like the first time you bring two people because you can't bring your whole band. And when they do operate the Ryman, you know, you could bring other two people. And then once you do it like two times, you could bring your full band. But typically when he does it now, it's the house band. I would love if we did the Opry more, but yeah. Yeah. That, that was such a Maybe. cool experience. Um, I did all the touristy stuff there. I'm not ashamed to say it. Oh, um, I do. Yeah, I got even even guys that I was hanging out with over there. They're like, dude, even I haven't done the touristy stuff yet, and I live here, and uh, and I was like checking it out, and you know, you just get you get like cool feelings, and, and I know the drummer who is the house drummer there is now a country Ooh. music hall of famer. Um, Eddie Bayers. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love that guy. I've yeah. I've uh, actually story about him. Uh, but I haven't spoken to him and it's been forever and I should probably reach out if he remembers him. But uh, the first time we did Opry at the Ryman, it was me and our, uh, our bass player at the time. And I didn't know that Eddie was playing. So we played our few songs and 
as I'm turning off the drum riser. He's right behind me and he says, hey man, you were incredible. I can, you totally deserve this gig, all this stuff. And I was like, if I knew you were watching, I probably would have messed up. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know because like you are literally like a, everyone's hero. Yeah. And, and you know, he shook my hand, all this stuff. And like, he was like, hey, like take my number down. I'm like, yes, please. So just su- super nice guy, man. Oh, dude, I, there's so many, like, you almost like have to thank a person like that. Like, thank yeah. you for everything you've contributed to all, you know, this entire industry, this entire kind of soundscape. Like you have, you almost have to thank people like that. It's, you know, you know how he's open. Well, he's now open-handed, I should say. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I don't think he was always open-handed. I think he plays open-handed now. Mm-hmm. And why there's two ride symbols, one on the left, one on the right, and all that stuff. Yeah, but uh, it was cool because like he saw that I was playing that I'm open-handed. We kind of like hit it off with that too. Yeah, yeah, that which is a a niche community within <laughs> within an even yeah. more niche community. So it's like, hey, at least you don't have to set the drums up backwards. <laughs> um, no, but oh, gosh, no, I tried that when I was a little kid when I first started. My left foot was like, dude, this is yeah. not working. Well, there's an there's an argument to be made, and this is getting kind of deep in the weeds here, but there is an argument to be made that open drumming is actually a little bit more efficient to get around the drums to kind of, I feel like if I would have started, started open handed, cause I, one of my good friends is open handed. He's a hell of a drummer. Um, the way he gets around the drums and how efficient it is, is actually, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it is the most efficient way not yeah. to knock people who play right over left, but when you sit down at the drums, you have a whole entire, your whole right hand and arm is open. You right. don't have to cross anywhere. So you can be playing the hi-hat keeping time here. And then you're playing, say, snare two and four. And you just can go around the toms. Do, you can do whatever you want. Oh, you know, man. it's awesome. It's awesome. And you don't have to cross over. And and when, when I, I'm left-handed by, uh, by trade. But um, when I first sat down at my drum set when I was like six years old, I just automatically just went like this. And it was just comfortable. I, I tried doing the right over left, but it just, it didn't work. And my ride symbols on my, like I guess center, it's to the right of my rack tom. So like I play my ride with my right hand instead yeah. of having a left side. So oh, interesting. So you kind of, well, at least I mean, you probably have ambidextrous yeah. abilities. So yeah. So but yeah, you could totally get around the kid a lot easier playing open handed. Yeah. And, and to me, like, and it's, you sound like a different, you sound like a different player too. I was about to say, it seems like sound quality could really improve, especially if you're trying to work on that stuff with a weaker hand, like right-handed by nature, try to work on the left-hand dominance. But, um, the sound is, uh, I don't know. There's something about it. It's, it's, it's maybe we're, um, you know, being too, kind of philosophical with it but i really do believe that there is a a tonal difference and a tonal quality that comes from that ability to uh play that way because like you know you just don't see a lot of people doing it but the people who do and do it well and and are playing for a living um they just got a sound they have a sound that's very distinct and uh quite honestly uh, it's very rich sound maybe it's because the ears and are not used to the frequencies coming off that way but just, just my thoughts. I've thought about it before, you know. Have you tried it? I have. Um, not enough, but 
but I've tried it. I've never tried it on a gig. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's stuff you practice at home. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, getting brave with it and, and kind of trying to make it happen. One of my favorite drummers ever is Carter McLean. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know him personally, but he's incredible to me. Like it's and he does some open-handed stuff sometimes in his videos and his playing that uh and as a percussionist and being trained in classical percussion orchestral percussion and you know kind of doing drum set as well um there's just a a desire to be as versatile as possible and i feel like if i'm as versatile as possible in instrumentation and playing you know am i making a good sound on everything i possibly come across whether it's snare drum drum set xylophone timpani or it's you know weird drums like darbuka or you know i'm playing hand percussion am i making a good sound can i make the same sound left hand lead can i make the same quality of sound being open-handed on drum set that would be to me i mean i think we have two goals as drummers and percussionists which is number one playing time and number two both hands should be able to do the same things oh definitely yeah definitely and I feel like a gig like yours playing in time is obviously one of the most important things, uh, if not the most important thing. But it's it's also like I, I just feel like falling into gigs um, and, and getting them and earning them comes from just having a rich sound that comes from being versatile. And so I, I know there's probably people out there that um, in, in Nashville in particular that are well-versed in a couple of genres, but it seems like to me learning and taking from all of the genres that you possibly can and the styles of music you possibly can, can land you a gig like Luke Combs can land you a gig like Jason Aldean with Rich Redmond's done and everything like that, you know? Yeah. And I think also, I mean, aside from time, like having good feel too, that's really important. Feel right. If feel, feel, feel happens in a sense of like, I have a marching background. So having a, having a boxy kind of sense of time was always important to me until it wasn't. And then you find yourself like interpreting time so differently that it's like, now I can mix in a little bit of the boxiness, a little bit of what I'm experimenting with now. And it's, it's, it's worked so far, but I, I do, I do sometimes wish I, I wasn't so worried about being so in the box for so long. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's got me this far, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think the fun thing, like, also with practicing at home is you can really mess with time. Right. You know, if you're, if you're just, like, playing for fun, like, don't even have a click on, just play and see what comes out. And, you know, you do cool with the bar line stuff or you know, I did some weird stuff today in my gig and, like, it worked out well. It was still in 4-4 time. Right. But it worked out and it was just kind of like, oh. That's neat. <laughs> I love that when that stuff comes out. <laughs> you know, like that stuff comes like you've been working with it or messing with it a little bit, and it just comes out naturally. Like you've ingrained it so much. Um, that's one of my. That's probably what keeps me coming back to this, to this craft more than anything. Is just seeing what can what can happen on a uh, on a gig like that or some kind of musical situation, a jam, you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think jamming some of the best, you know, ways to exercise the 
playing in time, but also coming up with cool ideas that might not necessarily be within the same time. Right. That's kind of like trippy, but like it still works in what you're playing. Do you get to do that quite a bit out there? Like, do you get to no, ride no. any? No, definitely not. No. <laughs> That'd be awesome, I, but I imagine, yeah, it's. I I, how much do you? How much do you honor the parts that are, that are on the record? Um, oh, I try not to a T. To a T. Yeah. Okay, I've heard I've heard both sides of the of the aisle in this one where it's um, it's like you know I try to you know stay within the same bounds but not exactly but I imagine to the T is kind of the route that I would go if I had. I mean, you want to serve the song. People hear these songs. Yeah, they're listening to these songs. They know if they listen to it enough, they know the parts, right? To an extent. Right. You're there to play those parts, still make it your own with your own feel and sound, but you should still play them how they were recorded. You know, especially the fills, but definitely the groove too. You don't want to go and play something that like, okay, you're gonna do something that might not be just like the song, but it's close enough. And then it's like, you need to play that every night, the same thing. So doesn't it just make more sense to play what's on the record, ingrain it in your head, and then you just, then it's muscle memory. And also, if you're playing something that might be slightly different and doesn't, if your kick drum pattern doesn't match up with the bass part all the time, it's going to sound weird right. and choppy. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, it, but also per... Like if Luke wanted to do something different, obviously you would do it. But like, yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, it, it. But I imagine that's the thing though with like these huge songs, like that he's that he's done, and that uh, whoever's playing on them in the in the studio like has done a really good job. It's just amazing to me. I, maybe I'm thinking about it on too deep of a level, but it's just amazing to me when that Nashville sound or whatever you want to call it comes together and, and just everything that that person, those people decided to do in the studio that day made a hit record. Yeah. It's so fascinating. It's not even to, re- not even to record a hit song. Right. You know, it's, it's fascinating. Cool. I, I toured studio B, um, at the country music hall of fame. Uh, we took a little bus over there and you, you're standing oh, in the same room. Say what? RCA. Yeah. Yeah. And I was standing in the same room that, Jolene was recorded that Elvis recorded a bunch of hits in and it, I don't know, the energy there was, it, it was life-changing. I, 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 that's just literally how I felt about it. It was, and, it, and to, to me, like having, having that kind of magic happen all at the same day, all these creative minds coming together to make that hit song is, uh, I don't know, that's, that's part of the magic of that city. It has to be. I'd say so. And also like all the players are so good, you know, but it's like the funny thing is I was talking about this with a buddy of mine who's also a drummer. It's like, just cause these guys are playing on records, you know, they might not be fit for the touring or the live scene. They might be better for the studio stuff, but it's like the guys who do live stuff, that doesn't mean they're not good enough to play on the records. Right. Like I do sessions. I'm sure I can definitely play on a record, especially if we do pre-production. But just the way it works is like the producers have their set of guys and that's it. Yeah. 
I imagine the session scene is the hardest one to get into there. Yeah. You definitely got to know people. Yeah. Regardless of both sides. In both sides, you got to know people. But in the session side, you really got to like. So like, hey, your dad was in the industry. Your grandpa was in the industry. You know, something like that. Right. So Guys I look up to there, like Shannon Forrest or. Oh, dude. Yeah, that guy's incredible. Incredible. Uh, Do you know who Jerry Rowe is? Why have I heard that name? He plays on majority of Luke's stuff. He put on all the Morgan Wallen stuff, all the Hardy stuff. Um, he's one incredibly nice guy and just a monster player. That's some of the best country drumming I've heard. Yeah, he's a monster. He's got his own group with his uh, wife that you should check out called Friendship Commanders. They're like a sludge. I like to call it sludge rock. It's okay. awesome. Awesome. It's a two-piece. It's insane. Dude, so. I uh, there's one song, one of Luke's songs that I just cannot remember the name of right now. But there was some incredible drum parts in there, just nice little sixteenth note little riffs and breaks and stuff. Hey, was it Hurricane? Oh, was it? I cannot remember. I'll think of it. Um, fast or slow tempo? Slow, but filling in with some some faster subdivisions. It wasn't like Ben broke my heart, was it? The, because the end of that song has a cool triplet fill. Yeah, yeah. It, there's some triplet stuff in there that he's doing. That who, what he's doing in there is like, I was like, oh my gosh, that is tasty, like yeah. you know. And I, I'm a kind of guy that listens to in- instrumentation before lyrics, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, just some of the some of the part writing in those are just incredible. And you know, guys like I don't is Matt Chamberlain out there? I no, I think he lives in Seattle. I think they just fly him in here and there. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but um, New Year's Eve lives here. Yep. Um, Keith Carlisle lives here. Oh, steal uh, again. Ray Luzier lives here. I just saw him last last week. Last I just saw him last Sunday. Um, gosh, I mean, there's so many guys to live here. <laughs> oh, know. I know. If I could, like, all those names you just listed, just sitting down with for a cup of coffee with them and just picking their brains is something that is, uh, like, I love it. Like I got to hang out with and, uh, took a lesson from Greg Bissonette when I was in Vegas and where he resides. Uh, he, he lives in Los Angeles. I actually drove over there. Oh, wow. Okay. And took the lesson from him and what a sweetheart of a guy and, and full of experiences and stories that are just unbelievable. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of guys that you look up to and you're like, man, you know, what a career. Really. Oh, yeah. So you did. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Uh-oh. So you did one lesson with him, right? Or uh-huh. is it multiple? Just one. Two hour so, lesson. Okay. So you went in, right? And was he like, oh, what do you want to learn? Or did he just say, play something and we'll go from there? Uh, it was a little bit of both. Um I said I wanted to work on some jazz stuff because he he played with Maynard, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I played some for him. He's like, okay, let's work on this and this and this, and this will lead to what you want to learn. Cool. Yeah. It was it was a lot of, um, you know, it was a lot of scenario stuff, scenarios that he's been in. He's like, okay, I want you to imagine you're in an audition for Maroon 5. And I want you to play the most solid two and four backbeat you could possibly play at this tempo. Go. And 
you start to realize like under pressure, like how am I going to sound? I know how I sound not under pressure, but how do I sound under pressure? You know? And, um, it was just fascinating to think about how many high pressure gigs he's in and was in. I mean, the Ringo Starr thing alone is, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, that's royalty, but it, it made me, it made me think a lot more than it, um, you know, more than it was because technically, technically and, and music theory basis, all that I, I, I had been in school at that point. I had my undergraduate in music ed- education. I was working on my master's and so I was fine with all that, but, uh, it's just that mindset stuff that he was instilling in me. Mm-hmm. You ever think of moving to Nashville? Uh, yeah. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, every day. So there's, there's that, but, um, I teach full time right now. Um, oh, that's awesome though. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's cool. Um, my kids are great and we get, we actually get started with drumline stuff tomorrow. And, uh, you know, that's how Texas operates. So, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I, uh, that whole story is, um, uh, that's, that's for a, a different podcast or maybe not even on the podcast, but, uh, there's, uh, there's a lot of rewarding aspects of it. And, um, they, uh, the people I work with are great. And the ultimate goal is just to make the kids better citizens, better people through music, through drumming, um, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's the philosophy that we kind of go with, you know. So there's um, how do you teach privately over there? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I teach here and there. Um, a lot of it's virtual. Um, I'd like to teach more, but you know, I think also I ran into one of my students who was in person at a Forks coincidentally, and I mean, I know he's playing and stuff like that, but. Um, you can't be like, oh, like you want to, you can never ask someone like, oh, you want a lesson. Like I've had people reach out to me via Instagram of like, uh, <clears throat> like, oh, I want to take a lesson. Like when are you free? And it's like, I'm free this time. It's like, okay, let's do it. And it's like, you're waiting on them of like, hey, are you free? It's like, dude, we already put a date down. Mm-hmm. Like worse is when people cancel. I've had someone, you know, it's just a bummer when people cancel. It's like, dude, we set this date. Like I'm putting time out of my day because I, I love teaching. But it's like, I'm here to teach you. And then even if it's virtual or not, it's like, you know, I'm taking the time to do something I love by educating, right? But then when someone cancels, it's just, it's kind of a bummer. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, majority of it is virtual. Um, and with these clinics, I guess, and master classes, I'm hoping to get more students out of it, you know? Um, we'll see. I uh, I can only imagine how I've never done. I've never taught. A, actually, that's a lie. I've taught a virtual lesson, but it was over. Um, it was over FaceTime, um, and that was like in the early days of when everybody was trying to like figure it out, you know. And I've taught lessons on the road via FaceTime. Just like I have a practice pad in front of me, there at a kit, and it's really just like watching them play, critiquing them, helping them, and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. I, do you have like a ton of free time during the day or is it is when I'm it, home or on the road? Uh, on the road. Sorry. Because I, I imagine it's probably drive through the night, get there, sound check, 
gig or is there quite a bit of time time to explore how does that work yeah no we have time to explore if we want to so like um on let's see so for example we're playing uh the shoe in ohio this saturday right so we it's uh, mark, mark told me about that by the way yeah yeah he was trying, he's gonna be with me you know that right <laughs> Guess we got to FaceTime so I can bust his butt about that. I know, dude. But um, <laughs> but uh, do you know um, ProLogic pads? Yeah, uh, I have one right here. So I'm with I'm with them as well. With great products. Many of the other companies I endorse, but <clears throat> you know I love their pads. I love I love the guys who are there, and I'm getting uh, the two main guys there um, passes for that show. But so See? basically. And to kind of backtrack a bit, we will get in <clears throat> Friday morning. We'll do a sound check during the day. And then the show is not actually till. Yes. Blue Thunder. Same pad. I have that in red, green. <clears throat> I have two greens, actually. One without the rim and one with the rim. I've got a 10-inch uh I think it's called what is it? Black Magic Pad. Yeah, is that the is that the marching feel one, the hard one? Don't think so. Uh, I know he makes one. Uh, the blue the blue one's the the hardest working one, right? And then the green. I don't know. Is... I have one. They gave me one that like they don't. They only made a limited amount of them. It's called the Stratus, Stratus Pad. It's a gray one. Oh, cool. Low rim. I love that one because it's like hitting a floor tom. Yeah. So I warm up on that one. I keep that one on the road. I used yeah. to have two pads on the road in my text work box. And I didn't I took the green one out and now I have actually I have a pad set up behind me and I have the smaller of the two green ones below and the other bigger one stacked on top. <laughs> Great pads, I, dude. Like yeah. I I can't get enough of that thing, man. It's so and so I have their practicate currently in my closet, but it's awesome. I used it when I was before I had this um wonderful studio by Audimute built i had the practicate set up yeah. so i had the silent symbols from sabian it was just it was great you know it was still muscle memory and all that stuff yeah shout out to Sabian. that well so i love it you know and if i can i honestly might uh well i don't have to do that anymore actually we're going to be having a room on tour where i'm going to be bringing my electronic kit on the road so we're like jam go over oh, wow. some all that stuff. So I was like telling one of our guys, I was like, well, if you don't see me after sound check or any time between that and when, uh, you know, any of the meals are up, you know where I'll be in exactly. that room. <laughs> oh, I would, I'd live in there. I pretty uh, much will be living in there. Yes. I will have a mattress as well. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're going full drum core style. I'm just going to sleep on the floor. I mean, the only... I got. I'll have to set it up myself, but that's fine. Oh well. Set it up and break it down. That's the only I think um, bummer, but it is what it is. It'd be nice to have it out there. Uh, sorry. What were you saying before I rudely interrupted about my ProLogix pad? Oh. Um, so, oh, we're at, we had time during the day and stuff to to oh, do stuff, right? Yeah. So like Saturday, we will the the techs will do a line check at some point during the day, but everybody else, all the other acts will be loaded in and doing their sound checks. So we don't have to do anything till we play the show at night. So we have all day to do whatever we want. 
which is I mean, great. That's the same sick. thing. The I like to call our mini stadium tour. So we've done Denver, we've done Seattle, uh, and the last one technically on the tour would be um, Atlanta at the end of this month. So it's the same type of thing. We get in on a Friday, we do our sound check, and then Saturday we have all day to do whatever we want. So we can walk around Atlanta. You know, you could sleep in till one in the afternoon if you really want to. <laughs> I haven't done that in years. Oh, I'm not capable of doing that unless I'm like partying the night before. Correct. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm I'm stealing Mark away from you. I'm sorry. Um, even though okay. oh, Ohio State's strong, it's not okay, but it's not okay. But we're gonna be there's at... supposed to be something actually with uh, I think Friday night. Uh, the marching band or the they're supposed to be doing something. I think they're playing with y'all, right? I don't know about that. I mean, I wish they just asked me to play with them. That'd be sweet. Well, yeah. <laughs> like I'll just hop on a kit or whatever. But yeah. yeah. No, we'll throw you we'll throw you a set of tenors, dude. I you know, I've never done marching stuff, but it'll be fun. It's not big in New York, is it? Um I don't think so. Yeah. All I went to school didn't have a music program. So I had to do everything privately. Right. Which was fine. But yeah, I don't think marching is a huge thing back in New York. Primarily because of the weather, gets yeah, yeah. nasty in prime time. But uh, one of my a, a lot one of my good buddies went to Eastman. A lot of my good buddies went to Eastman. Actually, great um, school. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, uh, a lot of those guys uh, are just incredible players, and they say nothing but good things about Rochester. And uh, I need to go up there. It's freezing cold. <laughs> it's freezing it's cold in the winter time yeah uh, dude i yeah i don't even i've only seen snow like six times in my life so oh, be grateful you don't have to see it more oh okay fair enough <laughs> well, let's be honest that's up to you no i mean I'm, i think i'm good i see enough of the sun that i'm like you know what? i'll just stay on this side of the weather aspect but um yeah I, and it, for me like I think that would be cool. I, I love traveling anyway, but the uh, exploring cities and like just seeing what's out there seems like a lot of fun to me. Just, you know, one of the perks of the gig, you know? Oh, it's a blast. We were just in Canada last weekend and uh, we did Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Thursday night. We were in a uh, Prince Edward Island. So a few of us, it was like a 20 minute walk to the beach. So we walked there and then we came back and you know, we had all this time. And then Friday we were in Quebec. So our bass player and I walked around Saturday. We were in Ottawa, Ottawa, and we walked around again and it was super, it was cool. Like in Quebec, um, actually a few more of us walked around than just the two of him and I, but there's a fort. So like, here's the stage. You look out from the stage, just goes on for like miles. And we're like, Oh, what's out there. And someone's like, Oh, it's a fort. Like you can go walk through it. So we walked through the entire fort. It was so cool. And like people were standing, I guess, in there to listen to the show. I think, They've never really done a, a country act for this festival. I think it's like a 10 or 12 day festival. And I think we might have broke the attendance record with 70,000 people. God. Yeah, wild. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't even see all the way back, obviously, but you're just like, does it, when does it end? And I know I look like an ant to people, but like, <laughs> hope it sounds good. Yeah, I bet you guys can see the, drum, the bass drum head. But yeah. No, that's about it. That's crazy, man. 70,000. It was wild. I can't even fathom that. That's. And we did Daytona in February, 
and I think it was 130,000. I mean, I, I couldn't even see everybody. I, I don't know where they were at, whatever, but um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about that type of stuff. It's, it's uh, interesting that it would be in Canada too. I just don't, yeah. I don't associate yeah. country music with Canada. Um, but you know, the times we've been there, it's been awesome. Like they love it. Oh, wow. But so what I found out with Quebec, at least, they don't like to be associated with Canada. Uh, they like want to be their own thing. French? <laughs> They're like, don't call us Canadians. Okay, fair enough. Are you guys Quebecians? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like my friends from New Orleans are like, don't call me Cajun. I'm like, okay. That's so what are they? Uh, they're they're are they from New Orleans? Yeah. Don't so, call. I'm not Cajun. Don't call me that. All right, that's cool. So what do they like to be called? Uh, New Orleans. I don't even know. I it's, I'll have to ask my my buddy Dustin. Um, but uh, he actually he's the one that said that to me. I'm gonna confront him about that. <laughs> be like, why I mean, you like, say that? Texas, Texas people are called Texans. Yep. New Yorkers are generally called Yankees. <laughs> I mean, to us, yes. To us Southerners. Yes. But I don't know. I guess even to – well, New Yorkers are just like, oh, you're, you're, you're a New Yorker. That's it. You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, one of my favorite cities on Earth, on Earth actually is uh, Chicago. It's a cool city. Been there yeah. a few times. You played there? Yeah, yeah, we've done um, last year we did two nights at United Center. Dope. And then in 2019, I think, we did Lollapalooza. Oh, yeah. Cool. Which was cool. The same night as the weekend. So I got to like hang and just watch him. His drummer oh. is unbelievable. Who is his drummer? His drummer is Larnell Lewis's brother. Larnell Lewis is incredible, first off. Dude, they're both, they're both, in, they're both crazy. I think yeah. his name's Ricky. Okay. Ricky Lewis. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody's going to send me a message to be like, that wasn't right. But, uh, yeah, his 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 brother plays for him, and uh, he's played for him for years now. That's awesome. Yeah. The uh, I'm sure you've met some insane people. Like, Yeah, I actually got to meet Brian Fraser more for the first, well, only time. We did um, this festival in California called Bottle Rock. Oh. And I really wanted to meet him. And I messaged him the night before, and I'd never heard back because I'm sure he's a super busy guy. And I was walking to our stage just to, like, watch. I think Pitbull was actually playing our stage before us. And just to watch him, I was holding my plate of dinner while walking. And I looked to my right, and I'm like, I think that's him. So I, like, went over with my plate of food and, like, excuse me. I think he was on the phone, too. And I was like, are you Brian Frazier? He goes, yeah. I said, I just want to introduce myself, you know, I'm so-and-so, I play for so-and-so. He goes, hey, man, like, great to meet you, blah, blah. Like, you know, we talked, like, a little bit. I don't want to hold him up too much, but super, super nice guy. But, um, uh, like, one of my – one a buddy of mine is uh, the drummer for Sean Mendez. Oh, man, what a kid. He's awesome, such a good dude. We talk, like, probably talk a few times a month. But um, they're coming here, and I'm going to be home, so it works out well. So, and then we're going to Toronto where he's from. So we're going to kind of like, we both haven't seen each other play live yet either. So it's kind of like, Hey, like I'll come to your show. You come to my show. Yeah. So that's, that's a uh, Brian Frazier Moore's played more Super Bowls than anybody. Yes. 
I'm like, it seems like every other year I'm watching Brian Fraser Moore on some Sabian cymbals, by oh, the way, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, play some Sabian cymbals at the Super Bowl. So. Also, did he play with Justin Timberlake or was I dreaming? He no, did. I think he did, yeah. Okay. Him and then... uh positive, he did. Who played the... I was talking, who I was talking to a guy who claimed he was Justin Timberlake's manager. And I was like, oh, you must know so-and-so. And he goes, who? And I'm like, okay. If you don't know who's in his band, are you really his manager type thing? Oh, do you get a lot of fake interactions out there? Not really, but like this guy was like, I mean, he wasn't a bad guy at all, but it's just like, I'm like, you must know so and so. He goes, I don't think that guy's ever played for him. I'm like, no, he definitely has. Yeah. No, he definitely played for him. <laughs> uh, and somebody, somebody relatively big played for the, for the hip hop show last year. For the Super Bowl, oh, Anderson Park. Yeah, but somebody else played drums too in the house band. Uh, that's a good question. I know Adam Blackstone played bass because he went to my college. He was there. A few oh, years cool. I never got to meet him though, which is kind of funny. So yeah, man, I'm gonna have to. That's gonna be a deep search. I'm not even gonna mess with that. I wonder who. You know, it'd be cool. Have the Roots play the Super Bowl. But like oh, have them yeah. be the house band or somebody. Uh, so did you see the the Raiders have a house band? No. So the Raiders in their new in their new stadium have a house band. Uh, it's a Las Vegas singer, but the drummer is Pepe Jimenez. He's one of the drum set professors at UNLV. Oh, that must be awesome for him. Yeah, and he used to play with Santana, and oh, and uh, yeah, uh, he's unbelievable. He's so is it like every home game that they do that? Every home game. Wow. That yeah. stadium. Also, I was in Vegas for a bat. Well, I was just telling you earlier, bachelor party. And we were able to see the stadium from like the hotel we were at. It looks like a spaceship. It looks like Darth Vader's house. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just, it looks like it should be lifted from the ground and sent into orbit. It it, uh, it might one day. Who knows? But I... Uh... I was living there when it was being built and uh, seeing it transform uh, basically overnight was insane. It was, yeah. I remember when it was just like to the bare bones and seeing what it ended up being was, it was, it's, it's cool. so nice. I mean, yeah. we, we, um, last year we played, we did, uh, it was our second to last show on the tour. We did T-Mobile arena. That was cool. Yeah. That that's a, right across the street. Yeah, so that was cool. That was a good time. Great venue. Went to a Golden Knights game there. Uh, are you a sports fan at all? Yeah, love baseball, love basketball, love uh, like I mean, I like all sports essentially. I like football, I like hockey. Yankees. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh God, we should just end it right here, dude. Does Vegas even have a baseball team? No, Houston Astros. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston. I mean, yeah. Okay. End it, my ass. You guys <laughs> cheated on a World Series. Oh, and I'm not going to condone. I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to confirm nor deny any of those claims. I uh, mean, my team is still crushing it this year. Dude, they're they're really good and they're scaring and me. So you know what? The Mets are good too. The Mets are really Mets, good. Mets are really good. The Phillies stink, and uh, the uh. Pretty much everybody except well, Boston kind of stinks too. Thank goodness, I hate Boston Red Sox. Well, that's one thing we can agree on. 
Uh, Actually, funny enough, speaking of the Phillies, at our Vegas show, I got to meet Bryce Harper. Oh, because he's from there. Yep, he lives in Ve- he lives in Vegas. Probably shouldn't say it on the podcast, but I think uh, it's, I think it's public knowledge. Okay, yeah, I think it is too. I'll check. Uh, out. Super, super nice guy. Like we we're t- we were talking baseball for at least fifteen minutes. Like he's like, "Hey man, like you want a photo?" I was like, "I'd love that if you don't mind." Like he super, asked you. Super well, I was telling him I was like, like I grew up. I was like, I love baseball. Like I went to college in Philly. You know, I know he plays for the Phillies. And I said, like, you know, my dad and I are both huge Yankees fans. He goes, dude, my favorite team is the Yankees. He, and I was like, I wish you played for them. And he was, like, he said to me, he said, do you want a photo? Because the way we were introduced is one of our guys, like, he kind of deals with the, you know, the big name people that come to the shows. Yeah. He, he was, like, taking them what it was like, hey, this is, like, what it's like underneath the stage while the show's going on. And I was under there with um, one of my good friends and his girlfriend. And uh, so he brought, I first saw this woman come down, I'm like, cool, like, I'll, I'll, you know, and then the guy behind her, I, kn- I knew immediately it was him. And uh, it was cool. It was like, so like that guy was like, hey, this is Jake, he's Luke Strummer, and like, they got a kick out of it. And, you know, that's the cool thing about like music and sports. Like I met Ezekiel Elliott, like oh, wow. super nice guy. Um, was that at know. Thanksgiving? Yeah. Uh, well, he came to our Dallas show. We did two nights in Dallas and he came like a week or two before and he came to one of those and got to meet him there. And then at that Thanksgiving thing, a few of us went there early so we could like, you know, stand on the field while they practice, warm up and stuff. And he saw me and he literally, he came over, gave me a hug, all this stuff was like, Hey, like, great to see you again. You guys were awesome. Like, you know, thanks for being here. Very nice guy. Wow. That's I mean, I hate the Cowboys, but I mean, that's that's. I'm also not a Cowboys fan, but my team is pretty horrendous. I hate to say it. Uh, Jets or Giants? Giants. Okay. But I have two buddies on the team, so I really hope they uh, do well. Here's to the Giants. Here's <laughs> to the Giants. I uh, I'm on the Texans drumline, so a little bit of a home. That's awesome. Advantage. What is that like? Um, that stadium is massive. Stadium's huge. Uh, it's. You don't realize, um, so when I was in drum corps, I got to play in Lucas Oil, too, in Indy. Okay. And uh, they're very similar in the in the fact that they're this these giant rectangles, and it's just this giant, giant venue. Um, what it's like is, I like to imagine it. it's what it would be like in 2015 when every seat is filled and everything, but everything that's gone on, the past couple of years uh, has really, you know, put a damper in things, mm-hmm. but getting to play and, and in that setting for a professional sports team, it's like my two favorite worlds are combining. Yeah. Um, I'm a pro football fan. I'm a huge fantasy football dork with my friends. We have a salary cap. It's ridiculous. Um, oh, it, it's bad. Um, and uh, I'm a huge pro golf fan. I play I golf. I do too. Love it, dude. I, I can't get enough of it. Um, my new place, my new apartment is going to be on a golf course. So we'll see how much drumming I actually do. But um, days. <laughs> say what? Split your days. Play in the morning and then drum the rest of the day. Perfect. Uh, so it's like my two favorite worlds combine. Um, get to get to see a lot of football up close and. 
you know, on the sidelines and in the tunnels and stuff, uh, getting to learn how, uh, how an NFL, NFL team actually operates is crazy. Uh, and, you know, doing a lot of, I do a lot of work for them too. And, and, you know, I'm writing some stuff for them and some drumline stuff. And it's just cool, man. It's a cool environment. I get to meet a lot of people, get to play in front of people and, uh, keeps the hands going. That's, that's one of the main things. So. So that's, that's cool. That's a, that must be a neat experience too. Yeah. Man, it's it's, it's, so. Yeah. And I got a buddy who's on the Titan line out there. Okay. And, uh, he loves it too. So it's just one of those things where uh, very rarely do you have your two favorite worlds combined. And so it's, I don't take it for granted. I, I, if I do end up leaving and going somewhere else one day, like I'm definitely will miss it. Um, but I also wouldn't mind doing it for another team too. It's just one of those things where it's like, I think you can kind of, you can kind of take experiences from everywhere. Like I got a bunch of friends that are on the Vegas golden Knights drum line out in Vegas and, uh, they get to play T-Mobile every day. They have their own little section in the stands and like, they're all, it's just, it's cool. Entertainment drumming drumline stuff is different, obviously from, uh, from the rest of the activity, but it's just as effective and it's just as fun. So nice. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's great. Um, the, uh, the question that you've probably been asked the most um, and just transition here a little bit is how did you get the gig? Cause, uh, I knew that was coming. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I, know. Um, I, look, I try to not go to the standard podcast. Oh, no, you're, you're good. I, I, um, so in Nashville, they do a lot of writers rounds. And I was playing with this group that um, still good buddies with one of the guys. But uh, I knew it wasn't going to take me to where I wanted to achieve my goals. So I was taking a few lessons with Jim Riley from Rascal Flats. Sick. And I told him, like, hey, I'm leaving this group. I want to – my goal is to play with someone that is more my age and has the potential of, you know, getting me to where I want to go to. And he said, go to Riders Rounds. So there's a place on this street called the Mumbrine called Tin Roof. And they do a round called Revival, or they did, and it's moved now. But um, I went, not knowing who was playing, I went by myself. Place was slammed, and uh, I stood behind the stage, so I couldn't even see what any of their faces looked like. And I got there just in time, caught his last song, um, which I believe was She Got the Best of Me. And then after, I was like, you know, I just thought, like, this guy, great voice, great song. I just want to go talk to him. Just like, hey man, I really like your voice. I really like your song. You know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know he was gonna say, hey, I have a gig next week. I need a drummer. Do you want to play? You know, because he was like, what do you do? And I told him I play drums. So after he said that, I said, yes, of course I do. You know, send me your material. I'll do my homework. I was the first one to the rehearsal, and I like to call it my audition as well because I was the only person. Sure. Um, and then. We did that, and then we did the gig, which was awesome. And then we hung out once a week for the next some odd months. And then he called me. And he wasn't doing shows. He was just writing. And then he called me and said, I want you to be my guy. Do you want to do this? I said, yeah. So also, you've been with him since the beginning. I was also the only drummer in his phone. Thank goodness. Oh, well. But, yeah. Um, but I just also think, like, hanging out one-on-one, you know, like, for once a week, just getting to know each other 
for for a couple months, you know, that, that solidifies something too. Well, you the know, hang matters that, a lot. Yeah. And like showing up, the, the fact that I was like, I was 30 minutes early to the rehearsal with all my stuff set up, ready to go. Reliable. Yeah, definitely reliable. And I, yeah, I'm the, I've been there from the beginning. And out of the guys who've been there from the beginning, I'm the only guy who's never missed a show in okay. going on eight, eight years. Dang. So I've played a lot of shows. That's you're the Titan, dude. That's I played Hurricane more times than I think anybody can count on their hands. <laughs> I mean I mean that but to me you're hitting you're hitting two out of the three points already of the triangle and the triangle that I was taught of what it makes a good gig of it's either the one point of the triangle is good money, one tr- point of the triangle is good hang, and one point of the triangle, the last part of the triangle is uh, is good music. And so, yeah. so okay. So what do you, when you say money, like, you mean like good, just good pay in general? I you know I don't know. I feel like I that's, that. I've never heard that triangle. Really? Yeah. Uh, I uh, I was taught it at a clinic uh, by some visiting guys, um, John Hadfield and Shane Shanahan. Uh, John Hadfield's another Sabian guy. Uh, Shane Shanahan is a ridiculous hand, uh, hand drummer, uh, frame drummer. He does, you know, a lot of really unorthodox, but brilliant things. He teaches, he lectures at uh, Harvard and John is a New York based percussionist who just is a unreal monster i'll send some stuff to you yes, uh, they were do, they were giving a clinic and and i was an undergrad and i was a little 20 year old kid and i was like and shane was talking about that triangle and it made me think it's like that makes a ton of sense like he's like if you can hit two out of three of those points uh, on that triangle then it's a the gig is worth it basically so the triangle site. So it's money, hang, last one, and the gig, music, music. I mean, I also think nowadays with the hang, I think back in the day it was definitely I think sixty percent playing, forty percent hang, and now honestly I think it's kind of switched. I think it's like forty percent, forty percent playing. I mean, you don't have to be the best player in the world, but it's like if you could just play the material with the right time, with the right feel and really like really make it your own, but still do the, do the recording justice and be a good hang. Then I don't see why you can't get a good gig. Right. So would you, would you be willing to sacrifice good hang for just the music and the money? No, I, 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 cause then it's like you're hanging around people that you don't want to be around just to, for pay and, yeah, like, like obviously, like the music is a huge part of it, but I mean, you want to be, you want to enjoy the people you're around too. Would Would you say the same thing if you were if you were just starting out in Nashville? Um, I think when it comes to just starting out, one of the things I learned early on was say yes to everything you can. Right. And just also play with as many different people as you can. It's great practice. You know, the money will come. That's the thing. That's first and foremost. The money, if you 
really put your nose to the grindstone and put yourself out there, play as much as possible. Cause that's what I did. I was playing Cajon at a writer's round every Tuesday. I didn't move it to play Cajon, but I did it to play with all these different people. Right. I didn't hate, I got free food and alcohol, which I don't really drink much. So I went there for the free, I was like, cool. I have free dinner on Tuesday nights. Awesome. And I get to meet all these other people. Right. While still doing, you know, the rate the regular gig with luke but like because of me playing cajon there were people who were like hey i'm playing the listening room which is a writing writers round place like cma fest will you play cajon with me i did it like like three four people and i got paid that way and now i don't own a cajon because i'd rather not have one uh i have not the extra seat um it's just, it's painful in the back and the hands. Uh, I'm with Oka Percussion, and they make this snare conga cajon, which I have. It's actually yeah. behind me. Um, and it's like perfect height. You just sit down on the throne, and it's right there, like level. It's awesome. And then they also make this wonderful uh, uh, product called a kickbox. It's like a suitcase kick drum, but it comes with a small snare and tom as well. Sick. And it all fits in, and you can fit a pedal into it too. So you can fit all that into the box, and then just bring a cymbal bag with a ride and a, with a ride and a hi hat, and then uh, you know the few miscellaneous stands that you might need. Mm. And it I sounds mean, great. It's perfect. It reminds me of those little Tama cocktail kits that kind of fit onto each other. Who do you, who? Mm-hmm. What drums do you play? I play Yamaha drums. So Yamaha. I play recording customs right now, um, nice. and then. Hopefully, uh, once all this craziness with every, you know, things going on, um, they're supposed to be making me a new kit at some point for probably I'm going to go with next year's store, not this one. Well, yeah. so, uh, but I'm either going to go with the Absolute Hybrid Maples or the um, Live Custom Hybrid Oaks. I'm undecided. Oh, my God. Oak sounds so good. Yeah, I mean, so do their little hyper map. They don't make a bad drum set. Like I have, oh yeah, really right behind me. Here, I'll do this. Like that rack tom, the floor tom, and the kick drum. I wanted a vintage kit really badly, so I got a 1980s vintage Yamaha pre 9000 series. Some and Steve Gad drums right there. Kind of. I actually got the sit of his studio kit recently at really? the National Drum Show. Yeah, last Sunday. Uh, I got to sit sit at that and play it for a little bit, which is cool. But um, this Incredible. the this kit is awesome. I love it. It's, uh, I I wanted um my road kits twenty four fourteen, thirteen nine rack fourteen thirteen sixteen fifteen four toms, and then big boy, big boys. And then when COVID hit, I brought my kit home for a little bit. But then I really wanted. Um, Yamaha discontinued the club custom series, which was made with Steve Jordan. And in 2019, we did two nights back to back at the Greek theater in LA. And I went to pro drum Hollywood and I was just like walking around the snare section and I saw that they had a snare drum from that series. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to get this. I got it for a good deal. And you know, it just made sense. And then yeah. during COVID beginning, I went on reverb and I'm sure you can see this like blue Yamaha kick drum in the side of my screen. Yeah, I see it. I was going to ask about it. That's a club custom kick drum, 24 by 15. So the only thing I'm missing now from that from that kit is the, the toms. Um, and I looked on Reverb, and I, mean, I got that kick drum for a, a killer deal as well. And somebody was trying to sell a 
18 by 16 that matching finish which the snare drums in that same finish as well for a thousand dollars and i was like dude you're joking so uh, <laughs> what? but um but uh yeah this kit's a great this kit behind me is great it's a 24 14 kick 14 10 rack tom and 18 16 floor tom dude and then i'll just swap out snare drums for whatever i'm feeling i've got like i've got you know that yamaha one that's currently in a case and i've got you know a few dws an acrylite um i have a dw collector series kit in a case in cases right now next to me i have a tamastar classic kit and then uh i've got a Actually, I have a 12 by 8 recording custom rack, Tom, currently on the ground that I got originally with that kit that's on the road. And then I have a, I got a Majestic Semi-Pro snare that's from the 1960s at Nelson Drum Co. Or Nelson's Drum Shop. Uh, and then a buddy of mine, I don't know if it's still in business, but he owns Shine Custom Drums. And he let me borrow I them from as a side snare and then he was like just hold on to it and then give it back whenever you like aren't using it but now it's been so long that he just let me keep it <laughs> so i have that as well so yeah. and then on the road i have uh my main snare is a 14 by six and a half recording custom brass snare and then my backup is the same one and then my side snare is a 14 by seven stainless steel recording custom snare beast so i've got a lot of options to choose from yeah it sounds like it the okay. yamaha makes such good stuff dude my favorite snare drum is definitely that brass one. And I have two of them for the reason of if this one goes down, I want the exact same snare drum. Yes. You know, the exact same sound or at least as close as it can get. But uh, I'm really hoping, um, I really want their 14 by 8 recording custom wood snare, which um, maybe at some point they'll get to me. And they're uh, 14, I think, by 5 or 5.5 aluminum snare. No, I think I'll be set in that department. <laughs> so. I, I would say so. They're, they actually, you know, they don't make a lot of snare drums, but I think it's for the reason of, like, they what they make is exactly so what you good. need. Exactly. exactly. I mean, I had a stage custom kit, and I've recorded on those, too, and they sounded so good. Isn't that funny how a little birch kit can can just sound like that, you know? It sounds amazing. Yeah. I also got a... My package from Innovative came in. Oh, nice. I used to be with them. I love them, dude. They're awesome. I got the tour of the factory when I was out there. Yeah, they're no, they're great. I mean, I love them. I have nothing bad to say about them. Um, I just found a stick that felt more like home. Which one? Uh, I'm with Promark now. Cool. And it's the 747. It's their Super Rock stick, actually. So it's 747B, and it's color balance. Those are uh, those are similar to the uh, Todd Suckerman's, I think, right? I never tried his. Dude, you should try them. They're uh, they're pretty nice. They might be. I mean, let's see. Is it a pair right here? Uh, here's a, yeah, right here. So I have a pair right here. I use these at Madison Square Garden, and they're Same. awesome. And then I have another set. Same things? No, these are the these are a little different. These are the seven four seven BWs, which I use these on SNL. Oh man, I bet so, that was cool. That was awesome. And then uh, one of our truck drivers, pretty cool enough, he was like, "Hey, like a buddy of mine drives Jason Bonham, so he gave me his sticks. Oh, so what? I have a pair of his sticks that he used, which is awesome. 
So I just have a mini collection of like my own and his. Yeah, I went with I went with standard five A this time, but so to me five A is too small for my hand. Um, but I used to use their five B, uh, like the long stick that they have. Why is this not focusing? Anyway, standard acorn tip. Yeah, the five B. Uh, the five BLs that they had. Yeah. And I loved it. It was great. Um, I think the thing that was a little difficult was like when I'd run out of sticks, they didn't have the ones I used in stock. So they gave me like the rock stick, which had a different tip. And I would, I've never pit my heads. And then with using that stick, I did. Mm. So, but regardless of that, they're great, you know, and they're wonderful people. So, yeah, dude. Uh, shout out to Henry and. Yep. Newly acquired RJ. They're sick. Um, I needed those desks really. I was running out. Um, the uh, it's interesting though. Like I have, I've always wondered like what would it be like to if you're playing a stadium or an arena. Do you let the mics do the work volume wise, or you do, are you laying in just a little bit more? I mean. I'm still, it depends on the song. You know, if it's like a hard hitting song, I'm going to hit hard, even though the mic's going to do the work. You know, the front of house guy is there to, you know, tweak what needs to be tweaked within the song. But if it's, if it's a ballad, say it's like the song Beautiful Crazy, right? I'm not hitting hard. Like, of course not. My rim shots are mostly wrists. And if you hit it right, it's going to sound, it's going to be loud anyway. It's a rim shot. You don't need to put that much power. You could just go, and the way you hit the drum. And I also don't leave my stick on the drum because I think it kills the sound. Same. Um, and yeah, for the ballads, I do that and it's loud. It's, it's perfectly loud, you know? Um, but yeah, on the hard hitting songs, yeah, I'll hit hard. And there were times back in the day where our front of house guy was like, hey, hit harder. And I was like, hit harder, that's what the mics are for. But now it's like, I hit plenty hard and uh, he's he hasn't said it in a long time. So, all right. But yeah, especially like when you're, I think also when you're outdoors as well. Um, even when there is mics, you know, sound obviously carries. Even I mean, indoor and outdoor, but like really outdoor, sound's just gonna go. So, I imagine it gets eaten up in the rafters of arenas and probably. I, I think it'd be cool one day if it was doable, even though it's not like. There's a way we can clone ourselves and just like listen to us at a sound check or like watch us play a show from out front, but it's still us playing. Yes. I think it'd be really cool and just like kind of critique or just whatnot. I think it'd be really neat. Or find it a very, very, very honest friend. Yes. <laughs> I can, I mean, I have great friends, but I need somebody to be brutally like this, this, this. I mean, every time, if I have people at the show, especially when it's like more like uh, reps and stuff like that. You know, and I asked them after, I was like, oh, what'd you guys think? I mean, they're going to say great, but like, I'm pretty sure they also mean like, that was freaking great. Right. So it's not like they're just like busting your chops. It's like, oh, how'd it sound? Like, I'll ask my tech. I'm like, hey, does it feel good? He goes, yeah, it feels great. I'm like, I know I, you know, him and I are like, we talk, try to talk at least once a week, not even about like drum related stuff, just like live and stuff too. So, yeah. Who, who's your tech? His name is Dan McLaughlin. Um, so he also does uh, bass and lead guitar, 
but I'm hoping for August that for our tour in September that they hire a new guitar tech. So he will do that. Whoever the new guy might be, we'll uh, do guitar and bass. And then Dan will just do RF and playback. Cause right now I run Ableton, which is fine. And I like it a lot, but um, it'll definitely be a change of pace where it's like, I'll have a 10 inch monitor next to me and I'll still have my Yamaha GTX multi 12 pad next to me, but he'll be running it from his world. Yeah. We're kind of thinking like maybe he could have his world behind me. So if something did hit the fan, he'd be right there. But even if, even if it's not, he's to, he's right to the left of me. That's how we have it. Um, but granted, with how this tour is, uh, the three sixty in the round he can't be behind me anyway. He's under the stage. They all all the techs are. But I think also like when it comes to drums and stuff, there's not really many. I haven't had a lot of times where I'm like, oh shit. Like I need, I need Dan right now. Like right. The, we, the second time we did stagecoach, we flew out there from a gig prior to, and the back line, the kit was great, but it was back on. It's probably from Coachella. We brought my own sticks and cymbals, um, but the hardware was all stripped and I angled my snare a little bit. Every time I hit it, it would just slowly creep angling towards me. Oh no. And at the time, I angled my cymbals a little more towards me. And when I hit my left crash cymbal, it just went completely 90 degrees flat. The hi-hat clutch unloosened. I had no time to fix that. The first floor tom, the leg got loose and fell on me during the song. It was just, it was a nightmare of nightmares. But apparently, I mean, I had buddies who played beforehand. They watched the show and they were like, oh, it's great. I'm like, man, if you, don't, if you knew what I dealt with that night. <laughs> my, my th- it's not even the drum gear that would scare me on most, because I'm not a heavy hitter. I know how to hit the drum. So I'm not going to worry about heads busting or anything. Um, never, never done that. I've, I've broken never... through the first film of a kick drum head many years ago. Yeah. Thankfully, it was the second to last song. So what I did was just I moved the pedal over a little bit. Yeah, and, and I've never, I've never done anything like I've never cracked a symbol. I've never oh. done any. Well, I broke symbols last tour. <laughs> well, I first, mean, first show or two. They're getting used every. They're they're getting used a lot. Yeah, and my thing is like I think what would score what would scare me the most is probably like in ears or Ableton crashing or something. Ableton, you know, so it's funny you mentioned in-ears. So Ableton, thankfully, we have not had crash. Um, but in-ears, uh, when we were out with Aldean, we were using, this is before, so we use a company called Fur Audio. Um, they're amazing and uh, very excited because I have another set of the main ones that we use. And I got another uh, backup set for like clinics and like home stuff and downtown use. And I found out they should be here by like Wednesday morning, which I'm super thrilled about. Ooh, that's exciting. And, uh, but I have a set of ultimate ears, which they're currently in the abyss. I hope they're in our locker because I don't know where they are. And I have a set of uh, JH audios, which that was the first company we were with. And uh, I had Dan vacuum them out for me because I've had to send them back one previous time. And I guess the cable is kind of messed up right now. And, um, but before that, I guess they were still clogged when I was using them. We did a show with Aldine and I cranked my pack. I was like, I can't hear anything, yada, yada. I played the whole show, 
barely hearing the click and playing the whole show through a PA. Oh God. Like That's hearing the we, PA. That gives me nightmares. And, and the guys are like, like, how did you do that? I was like, just muscle memory. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, so, and that was before we had Ableton too. I have a two, um, Alesis SR18 drum machines. And we use one right now as a, as a, uh, backup click just in case but we're going to keep that one i think on hand as like a third one but i think i think we're getting another computer so the uh did you see that video that floated around of that polyphia drummer periphery upper was it periphery, periphery. or polyphia oh i don't know who the band was maybe it wasn't periphery it was I, you're probably right with the name but the tech like hanging the hitting the guy's leg to keep time yeah 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 and he oh was, yeah Dude, I, like, had I can't some, hear some anything email. i can't I hear like, anything that I mean that not even that. It's just like if you can't hear anything, I mean you can't hear the song, you can't hear what the singer's doing. It, it, it's just that was amazing to me. I, I hope that would never happen to me. Those are active parts too. Those are heavy and busy. But that's parts. also why like you do have a set of backup ears. You know, I don't care if they're over the ear headphones like you're wearing right now. You know, yeah. it's like you gotta have a backup set. You know, I'm thankful now that I will have a backup set of the main ones we use, and I'll have a second set that I'll keep on me at all times, too, just in case. Right. And, and then if I get my JHs fixed and I find my ultimate ears, I'll have five sets. Even five even better. Is better than one. I mean, exactly. everybody was like, I can't even, all the people I follow were like, I can't even, um, that's like a, that's like a big gigs worst nightmare yeah i mean i I bought a set of shore 425s just to keep on hand as yeah, a backup for the time being and i use them downtown they're great but those i can't disintegrate it on me really yeah i i used them for about a year and a half and uh i went to take them out of my ear one day and then the plastic casing just wow i was like okay well that's cool impressive and yeah, and I, I, uh, I got these for podcasting and doing some stuff on, uh, you know, video editing and stuff like that. And, uh, I just haven't replaced the in-ears yet. So just been using nice. these bad boys. Who makes those? Audio Technica. They look like I'm from the side. Yeah. MT, uh, 50. Okay. So they're, they're nice. They have a great sound. They're comfortable too. So. Um, well, cool, man. So, I, I, are you uh, Sabian? do you play Sabian? I do. Yeah. What symbols do you play? Uh, I have, uh, 14 inch HHX legacy hats. Nice. Uh, the Weckles. Um, actually, if you give me a second, I can just get the list right here. They, yeah. Mark just sent them to me. Nice. I played these at a church gig yesterday. 21 inch HHX complex ride. Okay. Oh, wait. I have the 22 inch complex ride. Dude. The thin one. The medium one. Yeah, this one's the thin. Uh, then I have the 20 inch complex thin crash. Um. 19 inch HHX Evolution Crash. 
Okay. Uh, I said the 14-inch HHX Legacy hats. Um, I have one of those little 8-inch choppers. Um, he built me a stack. It was a 10-inch AAX Aerosplash with a 10-inch um, AAX Mini China. That's cool. Sounds really good. Um, 17 inch artisan crash. That's more for like suspended symbol stuff. Whenever, whenever I play orchestral stuff. Um, there's one more. What I had already was a 21 inch HH raw bell dry ride. Okay. You like that? I do. It's very articulate though. It's, I mean, obviously dry ride, but it's, it's articulate. Um, there's one more. Hold on one sec. Eighteen inch AAX explosion. Okay. I think uh I think I, I I have a lot of explosion crashes. I have a two I think I have two nineteens. They're fast crashes. I have two twenty inch ones. I have like two or three nineteen explosion crashes. Two twenty inch all AAX stuff, and then I have a twenty inch HHX explosion crash too. It's a lot of explosions. You you got to explode with that gig though. I mean that's. See, I don't use those on the gig. Oh, what I do you use, use on the gig? I use, so my hi-hats are not regular hi-hats. The top is a 16-inch thin complex crash. The bottom, 16-inch medium complex crash. Then I have 20-inch complex crash on the left, 22-inch medium ride complex, 22-inch thin complex crash, and then 21-inch AA Holy China. Just big old... Oh, big symbols. Big pies. Yeah. yeah. Then my B rig is AAX 15 inch medium hats, 20 inch complex, the same crashes. The ride, I think, is a 20, I think it's a 22 inch medium HH ride. And then uh, I do have a backup of that China, but I, ha- I will use a 19 inch AA Holy China. Oh, man. I love the Holy Chinas. Holy crap. I do too. <laughs> a lot of fun to play. It's, uh, and they, they can take a beating. So oh, yeah. mine is definitely warped. My main one is super warped. This is that HH Rawbill dry ride. Woo! It's the the bell sound is nasty, dude. It's, it's I bet so that thing cuts just. Bing. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It is a definite like. If I was playing, if I was playing like a classic rock gig, it would be perfect. But things articulate. No, oh, yeah, I definitely have no need. I also I have so many symbols at home. <laughs> How long you've been with Sabian? Since twenty since beginning of twenty seventeen. Sick. So you can imagine I've amassed a lot. Well, yeah, and I just signed with them in February, and I'm I'm on the education roster, so it's not even awesome. Congratulations. Well, thank you, thank you. The, uh, well, Dom, right? He's a longtime Sabian guy. 
He's been with them forever. Well, that's how my teacher knows him. My my teacher, okay. uh, Dean Gronemeyer at UNLV, he uh big marimba player in the 90s and has played Sabian ever since uh, Lenny DiMuzio went there from Zildjian. But, um, I mean, he knows Weckl, he knows Gad, he knows Dom, he knows all these guys. And, like, just a, it's a really cool network. It's really, I mean, honestly, how you and I got connected is through Sabian, through Mark. I mean, just. I love it. Yeah, just by Mark being like, you should ask Jake to be on your podcast. And I was like, okay. So I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm always down to do them. So good, man. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, man. Thanks so oh, much for, yeah, dude. It's, uh, I'll be with Mark this week. We'll FaceTime you. We'll, yes, we'll please chat. do. I will definitely be around. Good. Yeah. Well, uh, great. The, uh, this has been awesome. It's been a lot of fun. Three zoom calls later. Love uh, it. <laughs> we're here. Uh, shout out to that 40 minute time limit. Um, that's it folks for the episode with Jake Summers. The, uh, my, all you can find all my stuff on Instagram at Hartwell Drums, and also at the Rudimental Pod. Um, you can follow and subscribe to the YouTube channel, and you can subscribe to the Spotify playlist. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Rudimental Podcast. Um, and Jake, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Jake Summers S O M M E R S seven. My website's jakesummersdrums.com. I don't really use Facebook much. Um, I don't really use TikTok. So I guess either my website or my Instagram. Cool. Instagram is probably better. Actually, they're both good. Yeah. That's um, how I got connected with him, Instagram. And also, if you know you need in need of some private lessons, he is available as well. Or studio work. Or studio work. Or, yeah. So, and also... Well, I'll help push out those uh, clinic dates for you. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, folks, that's it for this one. We'll see you next time.